I probably won't be before you long today, but I feel it's necessary as we've been dealing with the soul. I, you know, when we dealt with last, uh, the, the past couple of services, we've really been dealing with the soul and how the Bible says, Jesus says, in patience, uh, keep you your soul, or possess your soul in patience. Understanding that patience is not just a virtue, but patience is a place that gives us right to maintain ownership or control over our soul. I know he saves our soul. Amen. I'm not saying that, but, but, but our soul is what we think, feel, and want. Amen. When we begin to operate outside of the place called patience, we lose control over how we think, what we feel, and what we want. So he says, in patience, in the place called patience, possess ye your soul or maintain ownership of it. We'll find that we live in a society and in a community that makes impatience a virtue. Right. Amen. That, 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 that many of us, that we're raised in a culture that the faster you can give somebody something, the better um, you are at your business. Right. Making people wait is no longer good business. You got to get it to them fast. Nobody wants to wait for anything. Amen. And so, so, so now it has created a culture that is now crept into the church, and we don't understand the requirement of waiting on God. Amen. We don't understand the requirement of waiting on God and not just waiting, but waiting patiently. Because waiting and patience are two different things. Right. Amen. Amen. And so I, I, I was dealing with that vein some. And I want to continue in in that vein and share a couple of things with you all that are so important because we have to understand the importance of our inward condition. Amen. The Bible says the kingdom of God is within us. There is a world within us that the world around us is waiting to, to, for, for us now to release the world that's within us. The kingdom of God is within us. The kingdom doesn't come to us. The kingdom comes out of us. Right. Amen. This, it's a big difference. The earth is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Those who are walking with the climate of the kingdom within them. I have a right, if I have the proper inner world, to make my outer world align with my inner world. Right. So because Jesus now... Is not has peace on the inside. He's able to demand peace on the outside. Amen. The, that which was outside had to bow to that which was in him. Even though the storm was raging because he was at peace in the storm, he could now demand peace to the storm. Right. So dominion actually comes from our inner condition. Pretty much God wants the world to look like our insides. He wants to he wants to turn us inside out and the world look like that. Right. Amen. If <laughs> the, now if you got a whole bunch of stuff, if you got some anger and and, and, and and resentment and stress and all all those things going on on the inside of you, he don't want to turn you inside out and make the world look like that. Right. But the fact of the matter is, our outer world looks like every one of our inner worlds. Right. Your relationship looks like you on the inside. Our money looks like us on the inside. Our house looks like us on the inside. Right? Because the world around us 
is actually only a reflection of the world within us. Right? Where do fights come from? Where does wars come from? Come on, we always blame somebody else. He said, but no, the war did not come from around you. It, it was a war that was within you. It came from your own lust. Amen? And so, so, so now it's so important that we begin to understand um, um, our inner condition um, and the role of patience and faith in our inner condition. You know, and I'm not going to hit this text, but through faith and patience. Everybody say faith and patience. Faith and patience. Through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. Amen. It didn't say faith or patience. It said faith and patience. Which means if I begin to lose patience, I also begin to diminish in exercise of faith. Faith and patience go together. I can't lose patience and still be walking in faith. Because the fruit of one of the expressions or substances of faith is patience. Amen? So, so now go with me to Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 35. And I'm going to share a couple of things out of here. And I... Probably won't be long. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 35. I'll begin reading there. I'm going to read through verses 39 and then skip over, skip a chapter to 12, verse 5 through 11, and then we'll see what thus saith the Lord. Um, Hebrews 10 and um, verse number 35. The Bible says, uh, Cast not away therefore your confidence which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience. Everybody say patience. That after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and he will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Amen. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Is that what your Bible says? Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 5. Let's read this. A very powerful scripture, and it really connects to Hebrews 10, and there's a lot in between it. Um, and we probably won't be able to cover it all, but we'll, we'll touch on this text a little bit too. It says, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye, or if you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. For furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Right. Do I ever tell your neighbor, God is not trying to father our flesh? That's why it's not comfortable. He's fathering our spirit. Go to verse number 10. For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit that we might be partakers of his 
holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Let's pray and, and we'll jump into this. Father, we just thank you. Lord God, we just bless you right now that you speak and that you speak expressly unto your people. We thank you for the the uh, spirit of liberty that gives us grace to hear liberally uh, uh, and grace to mix by faith and the release of grace to be transformed. And so, God, we just thank you for that now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated in the house of God. I want you to notice one thing about verse number 35, and we'll kind of walk from verse number 35 through what it is that the Lord is saying. Now, Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 35, says something so profound, and if you, you read it fast, you will miss it, but I, I believe it's worth pointing out. The Spirit of the Lord pointed out to me as I begin to now just meditate on this verse as I was listening to it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 35, it says, Cast not away therefore your confidence. Everybody say confidence. Which hath great recompense of reward. He directly connects confidence to reward. What I'm trying to see, this is so big that we understand this because this helps us be delivered from um, the law. It helps us uh, begin to be delivered from, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Trying to use acts to please God. God rewards confidence, not performance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Confidence ain't tangible. God rewards confidence, not performance. He doesn't reward us based on how good we perform. We got to understand that. But in how confident we are in him to fulfill his promise in spite of how good or bad we perform. It has nothing to do with our performance. More so, it has to do with our confidence in him to fulfill what he said, whether we had a lousy or good performance. Our problem is is when we are now growing up in faith and we are now beginning to, to develop as believers, we place more confidence in our performance than we do in God's promise and we don't know it. And so now, as long as we're praying like we supposed to pray, quote unquote, as long as we're reading like we're supposed to read, we feel victory. But the moment that we don't read like we're supposed to read, or the moment we don't pray like we're supposed to pray, the moment in a sense we fail, we incur defeat. We begin to feel like we're defeated. We begin to feel like we're rejected. We begin to feel like I'd have missed God. God ain't going to bless me. And the reason why many times God allows us to fail is so he can show us you really weren't confident in me. You had more confidence in your performance. And I don't reward performance. I reward confidence in me. So I needed you to stop being so confident in your performance. And that's why you fell off in your prayer life. Not that I don't need you to pray and I don't need you to pray every day. But you had more confidence in your praying every day than the God that answers prayers. You, you, you place now confidence in the performance and not, com- uh, glory be to God, and not confidence in my ability 
to fulfill my will. I need y'all to understand right off the bat, God rewards confidence, not performance. It don't matter how good you perform. Glory be to God. God, amen. It doesn't, can I help you understand? It doesn't matter how lousy you perform. Matter of fact, it's good when you perform lousy and you still have confidence in God because it's that that God rewards anyhow. So David says it this way. David says it this way. He says, though I make my bed, I fail, but you still, I still got confidence. Job says it this way. Though he slay me, yet I still got, glory be to God, confidence. David says it this way. I've sinned against you and you all. No, I, he still has confidence in God in spite of his failure, which validates his heart. It validates my heart is now in, in God. My heart, my confidence is in God and not in my performance. So God rewards confidence, not performance. Amen. I would suggest to you that the Father doesn't require perfect performance more than he now desires consistent confidence. Amen. He desires from us consistent confidence. Confident, another word for confidence is faith. Amen. Well, confidence ain't tangible. You don't pick confidence up. It's something in your heart. It's just something that says, I can do this, that this is going to be done, that, that God is going to now come through. So the Father doesn't require perfect performance, but, but more so desires consistent confidence in spite of up and down performance because we understand He's faithful. Glory be to God. It's about understanding that God is faithful. See, that has to be good news to us. Because some of us haven't been performing well lately. If, if the truth be told, some of us have not been now uh, uh, touching God and, and moving in God like we know he's called us to do. But in spite of that, if we can keep our confidence. Amen. Cast not away therefore your, which hath great recompense of, for you have need of patience. That after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Doing the will of God does not mean you get the promise. That after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Doing the will of God doesn't guarantee that we'll receive the promise of God. Amen. Did y'all see that? Uh, Next verse, verse 36. After you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Because doing the will of God is not just an outward action. It is an inward disposition. Please hear what I'm saying right now. It's not what we're doing. It's our condition while we're doing it. So he says that after doing the will of God, you might receive the promise. Our disposition is our prevailing mental and emotional outlook. Our state of mind. That after you've done the will of God, you might receive the, uh, the promise. See, this is what we got to understand. We can be accomplishing the outer actions of the will of God without maintaining the inward posture of the will of God. The will of God is not just an action. The will of God is an inward condition because man looks on the outward appearance but God now
now looks at the heart. Please follow what I'm saying. So we can pray and believe it or not. I hate to say this. And our prayer not be the fulfillment of God's will. Glory be to God. Because it's not just the outward act. We can actually give and our giving not be the fulfillment of God's will. We can come to church. I tell you not to come to church. But coming to church not be the fulfillment of God's will. Why? Because it's not just an outward act, but it is an inward posture. And it's an inward posture that we remain in, amen, that, that qualifies us to receive the promise once we do the will of God called patience. It is an inward posture that we can only maintain when we remain in a place called patience. Y'all see that? For you have need of patience. That after you've done the will of God, some of us come to church and we're not patient. We're impatient. Y'all sing too long, y'all pray too much, so forth the song. Do you, do, you, do you think you're going to receive the promises connected to coming to church? Being provoked unto love and good works. Come on, having the anointing of God resting on your life. Come on, being able to live in what you heard. These are all promises tied to coming to church. Come on, giving. Giving, oh Lord, they ask him for something else. This is another tithe. Giving and not giving out of now the inward posture of confidence in God. And so now I can actually give and not receive the promise behind my giving. Give and it shall be given unto you good measure. Press, I give my tithe every week and I ain't seen nothing. Why? Because the will of God is more than the outward act. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. There is a certain way that I now give from the inward posture of patience. Everybody follow what I'm saying? And so, so now, patience is the fruit of confidence. Confidence is the root. Patience is the fruit. If I could say it that way. When I'm confident, I'm patient. Amen? Look, look. I'm confident God is going to come through. I don't care it's been three years, but, but I'm confident he's going to do what he said, so I'm still going to be patient. No, no, I prayed and ain't nothing changed, but I'm confident that God answers prayers. And because I'm confident that God answers prayers, I'm patient. I know it ain't changed yet, but God, my God told me that every man that calls on the name of the Lord, every man that asks for his mercy receives his mercy. I ain't felt it yet. I ain't experienced it yet, but I'm going to be patient because I'm confident. Confidence is the root. Patience is the fruit. Anytime we stop losing patience, it's because our confidence has been compromised. Everybody understand what I'm saying? It don't matter how long it takes as long as I'm confident. Hallelujah. Do you ever see somebody confident in their craft? One of the most skillful masters that I saw confident in their craft was a man by the name of Cassius Clay. His name also was Muhammad Ali. You probably know him for the thriller in Manila. Glory be to God. He was the only man that I know, glory be to God, that could now, he would not start out. He fought a man by the name of George Foreman. 
George Foreman was like the giant of his day. George Foreman was considered unstoppable. George Foreman was considered a tank. And here you have Muhammad Ali. And Muhammad Ali is a real life Rocky. He sits on the ropes and, and allows this big, I mean, if you saw how big and how strong, George Foreman was knocking Joker's heads off. George Foreman is coming back and just swinging on him. And he's taking punches, taking punches. Some of them he's hitting, some of them he's, he's sliding, some of them he's rolling. But he's taking a whole bunch of punishment. And, and, and now it gets around the middle of the rounds. And his corner's going crazy. They're like, look here, you are out of your mind. You're about to get killed. You got, you got to do something. You got to run. You got to duck. You got to hide. But he was confident. The whole time before the fight, Muhammad Ali said, I, I don't care if don't, nobody else think I'm going to beat this man. I'm going to beat this man. And so everybody else was now getting nervous. Muhammad Ali works him until he starts getting tired. He looks at him. There came a time around the eighth or the ninth round where George was still pulling his arms back. But the, the blows weren't as strong as they were. So he could tell my enemy is getting weak because his punches don't hurt like they used to. I wish I could preach to somebody up in here. And because I'm still getting hit, but it don't hurt like it used to hurt. Maybe it's time for me to get off these ropes and start working. And before you know it, he knocks this man out because he recognizes if I'm confident, I gotta be patient. Sometimes your victory is the punches don't hurt like they used to. Be patient. Confidence. Confidence gives you patience. Now watch this. I want to show you something in this. That, that, that's so, so key. Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3 verse number 18. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 3 verse number 18. I'm going to share with you a few things. These are just quick things. And y'all excuse me. This isn't not my, my normal mode of teaching. But um, it's a little bit more kind of where God has me right now. Right. I guess. Well, Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 18. It says here, very, very powerful. It says that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Everybody say Comprehend. What is the breadth, the length, and the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ? Come on. God's love has dimensions. Come on. You can enter into different. You, you don't know God's love when you know it has different dimensions. Come on. Just like this, just like this church has dimensions, God's love has dimensions. And sometimes we stop in the foyer. And we'll think we're in his. No, when you, when I am in the foyer, I have not entered into the whole church yet. God's love has dimensions. You can enter into the foyer of his love, but there's a big sanctuary too. Not only is there a sanctuary, there's a kitchen dimension. Now, with that kitchen dimension, there's an upstairs. There is dimensions. There's a length, a width, a breadth, and a height of the love of God. Now, now, why is that key? And why does he say that? To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Everybody say passes knowledge. That we might be filled with the fullness of God. Sounds like 
what Marcus was preaching a little bit earlier, that we might be filled with the fullness of God. And that's why I went crazy while he was singing it. Now, if you look at, I'm going to read verse 19 again. And to know the love of Christ with passive knowledge. Love in the heart takes limits off the mind. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Knowing God's love with my heart permits me to know things I can't know with my mind. To know the love of God which passes knowledge. There is something I can know with my heart that I can never comprehend with my mind through passion. God, I'm trying to help y'all understand something. There is a realm of reality that I can know beyond what my mind can know through passion, through the love of, to know the love of God that passes knowledge. God's love, please hear what I'm saying, or passion for God makes it possible to live life from a reality that's beyond our understanding. Do you get that? In other words, what I'm trying to say is this. His love, His passion gives me confidence to do things I do not understand. I have confidence to do things I don't understand and face things I don't understand through the love of God because it's a, it passes knowledge. In other words, there are things I can do that I don't have. I can stand even when there's nothing under me. It, it now is a love that gives me confidence when I don't understand. I know how to be confident when, in other words, I can stand when there's nothing underneath me. I need nothing under me to stand. I need no proof. I need no plan. I need, I need no, I, 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 glory be to God, I need no loan. I, I need no guarantee. I, I, I need nobody co-signing. I, I need no proof. I, I don't need to, to know how many people made it before. I don't understand. I have nothing under me to stand on. But all I know is my heart is telling me that God has given me something that my mind can't figure out how I'm going to do. It's called that you might know the exceeding. Read the next verse. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundant above all we can ask for. There's something I know that I can't think that God is calling me to through confidence. I don't understand it. I have nothing to stand on, but I'm standing with nothing under me right now. And I'm decreeing and declaring that I believe that there are people of all races right now that are going to come to this house to be healed, to be delivered. Some of them don't even speak English, but God is going to break bondages off of their life. Uh, Pastor, how can you prove that? I, I don't understand how, but my passion told me that's my prize. My passion, see passion, passion's prize is power. I'm going to say that again. Passion's prize is power. There's something about passion with God where you leave knowing the power of God and you have confidence to do what you don't understand how you can do. I'm here to tell you we're, we're going to have a sugar diabetes service and we're going to have people from with sugar that come from all over this county and they're going to leave and never have to prick their finger another day in their life. I'm here to tell you. I, I don't even, I have nothing to stand on. I have nothing under me to stand on this sugar service. All I know is, while I was laying on the ground, rolling on the floor, blessing the name of Jesus, 
service. And so I said yes to what I don't understand. See, what passion does is unlock possibilities that our mind limit us behind. See, my mind will never let me go there, so I get passion for... I'm going to do this all over again. There's certain things that my mind, certain places my mind cannot go. I, I, I couldn't ask, I don't even know to ask for what God wants to do. There are things that I can't even think of that God wants to do. And so God said because... You can't access it by thinking, you can't access it by asking, but you can't access it by passion. If you make up in your mind, you're going to bless me. If you make up in your mind, you're going to go hard after me, that you're going all the way in all the time. My life will be a life of flame. My life will be a life of fire. I'll bless you at all times. Intimacy is my identity. It ain't just what I do, it's who I am. I'm going to love you intentionally all every moment of every day. The kingdom of God is mine to love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. Prize is passion. Passion's prize is a thing called power. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying? And so now, my prize for passion becomes power to be told to do things that my mind would have never told me to do. I'm here to tell you, you mess around and you start having passion for God and you're riding down the street with passion for God. You'll mess around and have passion for God and God will tell you to pull over and go talk to that man sitting on that bench drinking a beer. You ain't hear what I'm saying. He'll just tell you, he'll interrupt you. You don't even know why your mind would have never known this man was about to commit suicide. You'll sit over there, just tell this man that God has loved him and he's going to move in his life. And then the man takes the beer, pours it out and says, there's no way you could have known I was going to drink this beer and go take my life. That's the power of God through passion. And that ain't a made up story. It happened in Charlotte, North Carolina. Where... Oh God, passion's prize is power. Many times when you're in passion, God will give you the power of knowledge. Thank you, Lord. Come on, He'll give you the gift of knowledge. You'll know things you, there's no way you can know about people you just met. Yes, Lord. And so now, Philip, I'll meet you. And because I was walking down the food aisles at Food Line, blessing the Lord, while I go by you, passion's prize is power that tells me you plan to divorce your wife. And so all I got to do is turn to you and tell you, look, don't go divorce your, don't divorce your wife. God's about to come through. That's the woman of your youth. She was called to you. What you going to do after I walk away from you? You you did not just get somebody to tell you not to divorce you. You got somebody that didn't know your name. That didn't know where you came from. You just got hit with the power of God. And got what you needed in your heart to restore your marriage. Many times when you're walking in passion, you get a power called knowledge. You begin to... but 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 see... And that you have to be passionate enough to do things that you don't, you did not know that you needed to do. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, and he told me about a time. He said, man, I walked in the bank, and I was just blessing the Lord. And I was standing in one line, and there was a woman standing in the other line. She was blind with hair covering her face. Couldn't really see her face, but the Spirit of God told me to go put my arms around her. Thank you, Lord. Come on. He told me what he said, because it's what I would have said. 
Pastor, I mean, God, I'm a black man. That is a white blonde. Right. She does not know me from Adam. Right? Come on. And he said, I shrugged it off, but God, I, God agitated me. I didn't even know what to say when I got to the woman. God didn't even tell me that. He just said, put my arm around her. And so finally, God irked me so much. That's what passion to do. Right. That I finally went over there and I put my arm around her. Thank and you. when I put my arm around her, I didn't say nothing. He, she said, he said, Pastor, I felt so funny. But I noticed that her blouse was soaking wet. She turned around and began to hug me with tears streaming down her face. This is a stranger. And told me, and then once she said, once, I, once she turned to me and I realized she was crying, God told me what to say. God told me to say there is still hope and he still loves you and he is going to be there for you. She turns around and tells him my son committed suicide at 3 a.m. this morning. Glory be to God. She's standing at the bank. Did y'all hear what I just said? My son committed suicide at 3 a.m. this morning. And she's standing in the bank line. There is a power of knowledge through passion to intercede in that moment where that woman can never deny another day in her life. There is a God that exists. Passion's prize is power. Program's prize is entertainment. I don't want to perform. I want the power. I want us to come in here in the passion of God. And bless Him with everything that we have. Amen? So, so, so now, love in the heart removes limits off the mind. And permits me to maintain confidence when I don't understand. I could go story after story of, of times in passion where things like that happen. Amen. Uh, but we're going to go, go on from that. So, so, so now, heart confidence is my ability to overcome head understanding. Okay. See, I don't need to understand to stand. Right. At this point, I can just stand. Come on. I don't even need to understand why. My confidence is in God through passion. Amen? For he goes on to say this. Look at this. As a matter of fact, put up that slide. Put up, put up that, that one slide that I got. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 36 and 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Y'all see that? Look at this. I want y'all to notice... <clears throat> The parallel between these two verses it says here, for you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. What promise? I believe many times we don't properly qualify the promise of God. Therefore, we never access the promise of God. What promise? You have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. What promise? Second Peter 1 verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these, by what? By these promises you might be what? Partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through Lust. God doesn't promise us a car. 
That ain't the promise to us. God's promise to us ain't a house. God's promise to us ain't debt-free living. God's promise to us is his image and his likeness. Through my promises, I make you like me. I allow you to partake of my divine nature. You naturally operate like I operate. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying? See, a lot of us don't. We think we want a new car, but we really want God's nature. Glory be to God. Because if we got God's nature, when it's storming outside, we can still sleep. Because, oh, y'all ain't hear what I'm saying? If we got God's nature, when something is dead before us, we know we can still talk to it and command it to rise from the dead. When we got God's nature, demons flee from us and ask, where can we go? Because we know we cannot stay in the same vicinity with you when we got God's nature. God wants us, through his promises, to have a share, partake of his divine nature. Nature is what you do naturally. Do you understand that Jesus didn't fight to get victory over sin? Right. He didn't wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I got to pray so I don't fall into adultery, so I don't try to sleep with the woman at the well, so I don't curse, so I don't do any of those. No, 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 no. Jesus didn't fight to get victory over sin. He naturally never indulged in it. His promise is that we walk in the same nature concerning sin. For some strange reason, we think our fight is with sin. But if we are to be like God, God can't be tempted by evil, neither does he tempt any man with evil. Obviously, it's something out after sin has been subdued that God is called. If I'm like God, I'm not fighting with sin. I overcame it. Wow. It's real quiet. Because we actually think we're supposed to fight with sin for the rest of our lives. When God is calling us to his nature. Come on, what would you rather have, a breakthrough when what, the sin you're fighting with or God's nature? God's nature, it can't be tempted by evil. I want God's nature. It can't be. Jesus didn't get nervous, as we know in the storms. Amen. And so now, God's promise to us, watch this, is that we show the nature of God naturally by how we live. Our lifestyle redeems people because we're naturally like God. We naturally have peace like God's peace. We naturally walk with the word of God in power like God walks in the word in power. We naturally heal sicknesses, lay hands on sick and they recover. We naturally don't get intimidated by individuals' infirmities. I don't care if you've been cutting yourself naked for the last 25 years. I understand one and one thing only. I am the king and I am the king of every demon, devil, and spirit. And you already know I have authority. And so there is no condition that now intimidates us because we have the nature of God. But that nature must be grown into. That's what we got to understand. So so, uh, God's nature must be grown into. This is what I must say about corruption. Corruption doesn't just keep us from heaven later. Corruption keeps us from God likeness now. See, our problem is we just think, oh, I, I got to stop because I want to make it to heaven. No, no, no. No, that's not what that says. He says that you might be partakers 
of his. He said, now having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust, that you may be partakers of his divine nature. We escape corruption to be partakers of his nature now, not to meet him later. I can't wait to meet Jesus. You late. You're real late. Hallelujah. You gonna just you gonna meet him when you die? You sure you gonna meet him? You real late. Amen. We're partakers of his divine nature now. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Religion always puts off for tomorrow what it can have now because in actuality, religion really don't believe you can have it now. And so rather than say I don't believe, I try to make faith for tomorrow. It's real easy to put it off for tomorrow, but God says thy kingdom come right now. Well, how do you reconcile that to your theology? Right? I'm going to go to heaven one day. You sure? You ain't spiritual. No heaven now? Thy kingdom come and thy will be done as it is in what in heaven have you seen already? We should have already saw some heaven. Now. Amen? I'm not, I, 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 I thank God that you're going to stay faithful, grit your teeth to the end and be tortured till you go to heaven. But my God tells me I can have heaven on earth. Glory be to God. My God tells me I can have peace on earth like it is in heaven. I can have joy on earth as it is in heaven. I can have righteousness on earth as it is in heaven. I can be free on earth as it is in I believe that's our actual assignment. That's our actual, y'all know that's our actual assignment, right? right? Look at this. Hebrews chapter 12. This is so important. My God. If I have faith that it's going to happen later, I make sure I, I have a faith that lacks the ability for it to happen now. Why? You know why we operate like that? Because of disappointment. Disappointment always produces a doubtful mind. Right? And I, I ain't got time to deal with a doubtful mind, doubtful mind, but when I have disappointment, I'll cancel my appointments. Disappointment causes you to cancel your appointments through unbelief. An appointment is a meeting between two people. I'm here to tell you God has a meeting set up with you tonight. I'm here to tell you that God has some meetings set up for you this year. I'm here to tell you that, that, that destiny is waiting on you and you'll mess around through disappointment, cancel your appointment with destiny because you will now crush it before you ever have a chance to believe it. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 5, look at this. It says, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto what? My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Now keep in mind, he's talking about now raising children. What do we need to grow up into? Divine nature. Now don't get me wrong, we got it all now. We completely have everything God has, that God is on the inside of us through Christ. The kingdom is within us right now. But we have to be fathered. We have to be fathered to grow in it and for it to come out. 
And so now he is not talking about he is not talking about heaven and hell right here. Right. He's talking about chastening his children who are saved. Amen. Everybody follow what I'm saying? And so, so, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. So we must not rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit that we might be partakers of his, that we might be partakers of his, that we might be partakers of his divine. Nate, don't that look a lot like Second Peter 2? Right. Does that look a lot like Second Peter 2? When he says partakers of holiness, he's saying the same thing when he says partakers of his divine nature. Because only God is holy. He chastens us that we might take on his nature. Amen? That we might live in the nature that we have through being born again. What is nature? First and foremost, and then I'm going to go on. Nature is the instincts or inherent tendencies that direct one's conduct transferred to you by who bore you. I'm going to say that again. Nature is the instincts or inherent tendencies. They are not taught tendencies. Glory be to God. They are the inherent tendencies that direct one's conduct transferred to you by who bore you. You get them by birth, not by works. Glory be to God. See, there's certain things that my children got by birth, not by works. They got my eyes by birth, not by works. They got my head by birth, not by works. God said, when a man is born again, y'all hear what I'm saying? What happens to that man is, I give him my nature. I give him my image. Glory be to God. He does not have to work for righteousness. He is righteous. Glory be to God. He does not have to access power. He has power. Those are inherent things, but we have to now, they're inherent, but we have to inherit. It is through faith and patience we inherit the problem. What is inherent must be inherited. It is yours, but you have to, through faith and patience, inherit those things. Everybody follow what I'm saying? Man, I got power by nature. I got life by nature. I got victory by nature. I'm going to live and die, not die by nature. I lay hands on sick and they recover by nature. Just like a cat meows, I rebuke demons. Just like a dog barks, I pray for the sick and they recover. Those are inherent. But we must through faith and in what is inherent. Everybody follow what I'm saying? And, and so now, verse 10 again, I'm going to read it. For they verily, for a few days, chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit. Why? That we might be partakers. 
of his otherness. The father, this is so key that we make this distinction. The father doesn't chasten the believer so he won't go to hell. He chastens the believer so the believer can partake of his nature. He is not whooping you to keep you from going to hell. That's not why he chastens the believer. It says it right there. He chastens the believer to give him the inheritance of what he has now got inherently. We don't like that. God chastens us. See, this is what we got to understand is hell is a punishment, not a chastening. He doesn't, ch- he doesn't walk around hanging hell over your head. What kind of father do we think he is? You better do it or you're going to hell. You better do that. Can you imagine being a father and you always walking around with a belt? I'm waiting for you to do something you ain't supposed to be doing. I'll tear your behind up. I'm going to whoop you. I'm gonna, but when we think God hangs hell over our head like that, that's how we parent. We parent with more punishment than we do with reward. It is, God, I thank you for helping me. It is a perverse way of rearing to punish you when you do wrong, but not reward you when you do good. That is a perverse. I'm always ready to punish you when you do wrong, but I don't reward you. God don't work like that. He is a rewarder of them that diligent. He rewards us when we praise Him. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying. Not that we praise Him to manipulate Him, but there's a reward for praising Him. He rewards us when we pray. Not that we manipulate Him by prayer, but He rewards us. When we see our children stand up and clap in church, they should get a reward, not just a whooping when they fall asleep. Because God don't parent like that. Everybody follow what I'm saying? And so the, the father doesn't chasten the believer so he won't go to hell. He chases the believer so that believer can be what? A partaker of his what? Divine nature. The only reason I change chasing my kids is for them to be a partaker. Get this. Of my divine nature. The part of me that's of God. I don't whoop them because they don't do what I like. I don't chase them. I only chase them that they could be partakers of the divine nature in me. So, this is what we got to understand. You better, you better pray. You going to hell. You better sing, I'm gonna cut you down. You're gonna burn forever. But when we view God like this, what do we do? We turn around and treat our kids the same way. And we don't want to call it what it was, but we were abused. That's a whole nother side. I ain't even gonna go there because y'all get real mad at me. Right. You don't beat nobody with no extension cord and call it just what you needed. No, there's some issues of anger in you. There's some other issues of anger and stuff sifted in your heart where you would beat your own child with an extension cord because you're going, no, better, no, 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 that wasn't just to, be, to discipline them. That was to exercise some of the madness in your dysfunction and maybe for the man that dogged you out after he got you pregnant with him. No, okay, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, God. So y'all be man. Brian, pray for me. 
Maybe because of the way that you feel about you, you feel like you have to make them hurt right. so much. All right. Come on now. Now God. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Because I'm hurt, you're going to hurt. Because I ain't happy, I'm going to make sure when I get a chance not to make you happy. Because I ain't really happy anyway. Pastor, my Lord. Come on now. How many of us whoop our children because they get on our nerves? How many of us whoop them because we want them to be partakers? Right. Come on, sir. Man. Come on. Of his divine nature. Thank you, Lord. It's not that we don't do it, but it's now the place we do it out of. Right? God, you know what God chastens us with? God chastens us with challenges. God, God chastens us with challenges. He doesn't chasten us with hell. I'm going to say that again. God chastens us with challenges. Right? God, God doesn't hang hell over our head if we don't live right. He chastens us by challenging us so we can partake of his nature. Right? Everybody say, God chastens us, God chastens us. By, challenging us. by challenging us. Or another way we can say it is placing us in challenges. Right. Why does he do that? He places us in challenges, watch this closely, that causes parts of our nature to surface that haven't received the promise of his nature yet. He puts us in a challenge to call parts of our nature to surface that haven't received the promise of his nature yet. And so now, why am I so angry right now in this challenge? Because this challenge has forced the part of my nature that doesn't look like God's nature. So if I be patient and humble myself, I can become a partaker of his nature. Can I help you understand something right now? God is not getting more angry at the earth every day. I know that's how you want to view it, but that's not how it works. Because he already knows he's redeemed it. He already knows he's, he is not getting angry because homosexual bills are being passed. He's not getting more angry because people are getting more wicked. He's, and he's always been angry at sin and he's not getting any angrier than what he is. The reason being is, is because he's already released the antidote. He already knows at the end of the day it didn't work. Somebody need to read the book. Somebody need to get to Revelation so you understand if I know how I won why am I going to get mad at half time? I don't care what the score looks like at half time. By the time the end of the fourth quarter comes we got the victory and Second half team. 
like this because oh, this God. is so God. key. God. Because you got to understand your challenge right now is your chastening. Do you all understand that? You are not being rejected by God. You are not being condemned by God. You are not even being punished by God. You are being chastened. It's parts of you that are surfacing your nature that is not his nature right now. That's why That's why that challenge is there. For some of you, it's patience. I'm here to tell you God is real patient right now. He's not losing his patience with the world. Though there's earthquakes, though there's rape, though there's murder, he's real patient. Amen. Can somebody celebrate his patience? Because he's real patient with us. So glory be to God. See, no, 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 no. And, and so why are you losing your patience? Because it's a part of your nature that has not received divine nature yet. Some of you feel like giving up, right? Right, 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 right. So God, now, that is not God rejecting you. That is not God punishing you. That's God chastening you so you can be a part of his divine nature. He never gives up. Why? Because he knows he's always winning. So i got to chasten you. By putting you in a challenge that says I can't take no more. So you can recognize that your God is Alpha and Omega. And the middle can't end you. So y'all, I hope somebody heard last week what we talked about. Your end is not a circumstance. Your end is a man who they call Omega. His name is Jesus. And so now, right now we feel like giving up. Why? Because that's the part of our nature that hasn't received the, pop, the promise of divine nature yet. Because God never gives up. So I'm chasing you by challenging you there. Right? Some of you feel like walking away from relationships. Why, why are you in a relationship that's causing you to want to walk away from that relationship? Because God is chasing you. Through a challenge that's causing you, causing a part of your nature to surface that hasn't received the promise of his nature yet. Because in all things he hopes. Come on. Do you understand no matter what you do tonight, God still has hope that you're going to make He still has hope that you're going to get everything he promised for your life. He never loses hope in what he has given, the provision that he's given us. Amen? So God chastens us by challenges. Amen. A challenge that demands for me to enter into a place where the only way I can face it is by pulling on something divine. Right. If I don't pull on something divine, this thing won't kill me. Anybody ever been to a place where you said, ain't no way I should have made it. And then something happened and all I know is I came out on the other side. You not, what happened was you pulled on something divine but did not figure out what happened. So you went right back to the mindset that demanded the challenge because you didn't recognize. You know you made it through some stuff. You have no explanation for how you made it. It was divine. The divine nature of God came in and it now gave you grace to face the situation like God. Like God. The only way we can face the situation that challenge through that challenge which is a chastening is through partaking of the divine nature. I gotta have hope beyond my limit of hope if I'm gonna face this. I gotta have strength beyond my limit of strength. Right. If I'm going to fix this, I got to have optimism beyond because to me, this is over. There's no way to go. But if I'm going to face it, amen, I have to now pull on something divine that I have to access divine nature. 
I can't no longer pray like I used to pray. I gotta pray fervently and effectually in the spirit because my normal prayer ain't working. Amen. I'm, 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 I'm receiving divine nature. See, because some of us know how to go through the motions. We know how to do the will but not receive the promise behind it. We're so used to praying without nothing happening that we now think the reward of prayer is praying. Alright. Come on now. We forgot the reward of prayer is answers. You don't pray, we don't pray just to pray. The walker said, I prayed all five days this week. That's not the reward of prayer. The reward of prayer is actually answers to what you prayed for. And so now I got to put you in situations that challenge you in parts of your nature that are not divine yet. So I can bring you into a place where you can be partaker of my divine nature through chastening in the form of challenges. How many of you are being challenged right now? Come on. Probably if I got this mic right now, if I gave y'all this mic right now, glory, you, some of you would go in on all the challenges that you're facing. I'm here to tell you every challenge you're facing is a chastening because you're a son of God. And God wants you to come out. He does not want you to come out. Just come out. Amen. And you survived it because you're going to survive it anyway. He wants you to come out with his nature. He wants you to come out of it more like God. Amen. Our challenges are our chastening. He chastens those he loves through challenges so we can, by way of passion, which conceives confidence, do the will of God in patience. If we refuse to be challenged, I want to hear today because a lot of people say, well, how do you refuse to, to chase it? Or we complain when we're challenged. All right. If we refuse to be challenged or complain when we're challenged, we are refusing to be chastened. All right. I hope y'all, y'all got to hear this. Please hear this. If we refuse to be chastened, we wind up being sons living with the wages of a bastard. What, why? Why are we sons with the wallets of a bastard? How much of our inherent nature have we inherited? And how much of our nature do we have like people who ain't saved? We wind up being sons with the wages of a bastard. So when something happens and everybody else complains, I do too. Because I have their nature still. When everybody else fears, I do too. Because I still, but I'm a son. I'm a son living off the wages of a bastard. Someone who's fatherless. No hope. No continuing peace. No enduring joy. No enduring victory. Do you know you can be a son and still get paid like a bastard? Right. And just have none of God's divine nature. None of his peace. None of his confidence. None of his faith. None of his power. None of his victory. Don't even have victory over sin. Thank you. Amen. And it's all because we think we have a right to live life without challenges. Right. But your challenges are your chastening. Your challenges are the parts of you that help you see that aren't the nature of God. God don't complain. 
He don't murmur. He don't question, is this going to work? He doesn't doubt. We understand by faith, he framed the, the world by the word of God. Amen? Why are, why are we mad about our challenges? Come on, most of us want our challenges to end today. And I'm not saying that life is just one big old long challenge, but there will always be something we're going to deal with. I'm going to tell you that right now. There's always going to be something. But, but, but why is it if we know we don't have our inheritance, do we get discouraged when we're in challenge? Do we not understand that's our chastening? Right. There's something you're supposed to come out of this with that looks like God. There's authority that's going to be on your prayer that looks like God's authority on prayer. There's a level of joy you're going to walk in that looks like the joy of the Lord. There's divine nature in this. But if you complain in the challenge, you nullify the promise that the challenge could give you by way of chasing it. Everybody understand what I'm saying? So, when we, bastards have no inheritance. None of God's nature becomes our nature. Man, it's so common, and we got to make sure, and I'm, I'm so thankful we're cultivating a culture that doesn't look common. But it's so common to be for people to be in the church and people can stand and look at the people in the church and the people that don't even go to church and not see a difference. I'm so glad that we are a culture that's cultivated, that there's a distinct difference, amen, between what that which is really planted in God and that which is not. Because all, all of us can say we can praise God and all of us can say we believe God. But God said, okay, I'm going to start lighting matches and I'm going to start burning stuff down. And you ain't really going to see the difference until devastation starts hitting. And I'm so glad we're finding a people that can be the difference in the midst of devastation. Glory be to God. And decree and declare yet when we praise him up in here. God deserves the glory. I am just as confident in God today than before this ever happened. We are going to make it through this. We're going to live and not die. This house is going to be blessed. This office is going to be blessed. They're passing out furloughs. Don't you worry about a thing. If you get a pink slip... That means God has already ordered your step to a new job. And matter of fact, because I'm so much in the nature of God, I prophesy to you that in seven days after they fire you from this office, you're going to walk into another job. I'm not going to be sitting there worried about whether I got one or not, because if I got the nature of God, I know that he shall provide all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And so now I live in a level where I can be like God in circumstances. So they calling me in the office after you and I'm prophesying to you you getting a job in seven days. It's the nature of God. It's the nature of God. Amen. We never received if we refuse chastening by way of challenges. We never receive the instincts or inherent tendencies of God to direct our conduct transferred to us by being the born-again experience. Many of us have inherent things of God that we have not experienced. You got it. You just ain't experienced it yet. It's yours. Everything is yours. But it's your challenges. That chasing you that you might be a partaker. Now it's time for you to actually 
participate, partake, take what it is you got. Come on, anybody ever got, anybody got stuff in your closet you don't never wear but still in your closet? Amen? Just, just hang there all the time. And you will wash your other clothes before you put them clothes on, but they're always there. Yeah? That's, that is now the power of God and the glory of God. It's there. We just don't like to wear it because it demands chastening. And chastening demands challenges, so I'd rather put on the thing that I can just put on without ironing. Y'all know you got the I don't have to iron dress. Don't sit up there in front. I just wore this because I ain't feel like ironing. Hallelujah. I'm in the saints. I'm praying for the saints. I'm playing. I'm playing. Y'all, this is a trip. Right? But it's something... We, we, we have the divine nature of God, but we don't wear the divine nature of God simply because it demands chastening through challenges that we must now remain patient through. Right? Through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. You have need of patience that after you what? Done the will of God. You might receive the promise. It's not doing what God said. It's doing it with the heart posture that God will do it in. That gives us access to that promise. Amen. I may want to complain, but I'm not going to complain. I may want to ask God why. I'm not going to ask why. I'm going to tell him thank you. I'm going to bless his name. And I'm going to walk off this job. Right? See, you had to do the will of God anyway. You was leaving the job anyway. But why not get rewarded for it? Right. You know, you, they fired you regardless. Why not get rewarded for it by having God's mind in it and saying, yes, I surrender to what you've allowed. I'm going to praise you in it. There's a, I'm here to tell you, if you walk away from stuff or go through stuff like that, you are going to be rewarded with his divine nature. I'm here to tell you, glory be to God, God is going to put weight on your words that when you open your mouth, everybody else shuts up. God is going to anoint you to a place that your next job, everybody in that job follows you to your church. Thank you, Lord. Amen? Because the will of God ain't just doing what you got to do. It's having the heart of God because you understand the word of God through it. Look at this and I'm closing. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12 and 13. It says here, Wherefore lift up the hands which hang down. He said, because of this, because you understand the chastening of the Lord is the challenges of God, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Um, he said, lift up your hands that hang. He's talking about a posture in the midst of challenges. Come on, can you picture that? This hand, I got my hand lifted. Hallelujah, God. Bless his name. Right. Feeble knees. I'm, 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 I'm doing this because God didn't put me here, but I, I don't want to do this anymore. He said, he said, lift it down. He said, because if you don't, you're going to mess around and be turned out of the way. You're going to be turned away from the way, the only way that you can inherit your inheritance. Right. Do you know that there are some believers that have allowed themselves to be turned from the way to get what it is they're complaining about not having. Right. Mm-hmm. 
if you turn from the way. Amen. There'll be no way you'll ever experience what it is that you are complaining and in an impatient posture fussing at God. Right. We should understand that you can't get nothing from God. You can never get the promise from God. We should know that by Israel. Amen. 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 It speaks of a posture of impatience that ultimately, get this, turns us out of the way. You see that? He said, you better lift up your feet by hands and, and make sure you, 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 you straighten out your knees lest you be Turn out of the way, but the way is a man. If I'm turned from a way, I'm turning from the... Remember what I said? Remember what I told you? I said, hell isn't chastening, it's punishment. But ultimately, if we don't submit to chastening, we'll mess around and put ourselves back onto punishment. You be turned out of the way. We need patience. Why? Because me and your promise is to be like God. Right. Right? To have his nature. So we can be his image in the earth. In other words, we can image him forth to other people so people can know that God lives. And be saved by God by the reflection coming from us. We become the light and the salt of the earth. Yes, Lord. Amen? Amen. In body. In body. In body. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Through the promises of God. That is our promise. Thank you, Lord. And I'm here to tell you one thing. If some people say, Well, I pray for a house. Man, if you had God's nature, you just speak it. Why why beg for a house when if you could get God's nature, you just speak it when it's right. You need a certain job, just speak it. Amen. He wants to give you his nature. Where your world is created by your words. But those come by challenges that cause us to be partakers of the divine nature. I want to pray tonight. And and my prayer tonight is, is that the poison of impatience Created by a culture that does not want to wait for anything. That le- that living that keeps us from the promises of God would be uprooted out of the church. I want to pray that you restore your joy is restored in your challenge. Right. That your confidence is restored in your challenge. My challenge might not be your challenge, and your challenge might not be my challenge, but we're all being challenged. I guarantee it. And we're going to do the challenge, but are we going to do as well? We can't get out of the challenge. we got to face the challenge. Are we going to accept it as a chastening that gives us the ability to see a part of our nature that hasn't received the promise of his yet? And become a partaker of his divine nature. Are we going to submit to that? Or are we going to say, I don't deserve this. I don't want this. I don't need this. God, why are you doing this? And find ourselves with the inheritance or with the wages of bastards. I'm here to tell you, your your life was meant to mean something. You were called to impact history with your life. 
you are called to be a part of something that changes the way humans live for the kingdom of God. I'm not just saying that. I don't need to say that. See, I believe that. I've been with God long enough to know what my life is. Me and your life is going to be impacting people 400 years from now. There are going to be people living by the benefit of what we're doing in 109 Langston Road. Amen. And being impacted and living out of what it is ever God does today right here, right now, right now. They'll be able to point back to this. Your life means that much to God. Amen. Why? Because you are called to be like him. God always makes history. God, I'm trying to raise your expectation. God, see, I'm not, see, a lot of people, they met me and think they know me, and you do not know me. Amen? You don't know me like you think you I, I, I will not. I, I was created to make history. Me and God didn't have the encounter we had so I could just start a, a, a cute church and have a few members. We were created to do something for the kingdom. And if I know my life has been called to make history, then if you're connected, we're going to make history together. Do you hear what I said? You're a history maker. You're a reason that people are going to live and not die. Everybody standing to your feet.